How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm John Ledger, your host from over at FanRag Sports, along with my good friend, that's I can say that, right, Trevor? I can say good friend at this point. Trevor Sikama from PewterReport.com oh, covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Only you can determine that. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm waffling a little bit because I heard your episode with Mark Schofield over on Locked On Patriots, <laughs> which everyone should check out. And I I heard that I heard that you actually carry the load on this podcast, which is Look, man, I didn't say it. Actually, it's fairly accurate, but um, just deny it. But I didn't hey, just so it. you know, Patriots Steelers play, and uh, if I go on lockdown Patriots, I'm gonna have a thing or two to say down in week ten or eleven or whenever they play. So fine, fine. Mark, Mark will defend me. Yours might be Brendan. Uh, this uh, Thursday edition of Locked On NFL Draft is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code Locked On at MyBookie.ag. For those of you who don't know, Trevor was on Locked On Patriots. Uh, with Mark Schofield, our good friend. Um, and he uh, basically, Mark, kind of lobbed him this uh, idea that uh, Trevor carries the, the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. And um, I vulture touchdowns, which I don't even really know what that means, yeah. but yeah. it's it's mysterious. So, But I, I think I get the gist of it. Know what it means. Yeah, so. right. Exactly. We're doing a little throwback Thursday because, frankly, we've done such a bomb job of covering everything that happened in the NFL uh, with rookies and college football over the past three days. We decided to throw it back today. Uh, we got to go back to a simpler time, the 2015 NFL draft, and just kind of roll through a little bit of uh, the picks in that draft and where we were at with players pre-draft because now it's been well, we've had two full seasons to evaluate these guys, and now we're a quarter of a way through the new season, and pretty soon the draft will be picking up for 2018, and we won't get the chance to go back and kind of look at some of these classes. So we decided, you know, it's been almost three years for these guys. They're, they're rolling in through their third year. It's time to start laying down some, some um, basically, what is this class? What did this class become and how close we were on it and who taking our L's where we need to take them. Uh, but also getting some W's along the way. So this was the first draft I really covered in depth, I felt like. Um, I'd done a little bit with the drafts before, but this draft was the first one I was like, I felt like I was I was all in on it. I didn't know as much as I know now, and I think I, some of my L's will show that, but I felt like I was all in on this draft. I got like a good start on the draft from January or, or December even, and knew what I was looking at and got to watch a lot of these guys. So there's a couple that I didn't, uh, that I've talked about before even, but for the most part, I felt like I got to watch a lot of these guys and felt like I had a good handle on who they'd be going into the NFL. Do you remember Trevor, who your number one overall player was in this class or, or yeah, you remember who your number one or not, or somebody that you had right near the top in this class? Um, I think my number one player was Marcus Mariota. Okay. You you like Mariota a little bit more than Winston, right? I did. Um and so cuz I you know obviously we'll spend a bunch of time on this and the two guys that are at the top um I think that they went to the right places though. Right. You know like yep, I, I don't agree. think you know if they switched the roles even though like Mariota has obviously had like more of a 
like a higher consistency of success rate. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that things would have been different. I think the personalities of both the organizations that they went to, both from the GM to the head coach, or you know, from the GM to the head coach, the coaching staff, the culture of the team, everything. I think that they both went to the right spots in retrospect to these two teams being the only option. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't really know. I, I, you know, it, we say that it's three years out, so we can kind of we can do these little exercises. And I do. I think this is okay time for a lot of other players, but certainly with Winston and Mariota, there you know you still got to give it. Yeah. You know, probably like a five year thing with these guys to really know what you're talking about mm-hmm. in terms of um, of where they were, but. I feel like we kind of know what Mariota is at this point. Winston is a little more of an unknown to me. Like, I think Winston can be even better than he's shown the last two years. And he's been a solid quarterback the last couple of years. But I think he, I, to me, if he takes another, I think he can take another step this year. I think he can, he could still be better than Mariota. Uh, I think Mariota's close to more of a finished product. But I, I, so think, too. I think you're right, though, that they land in the right. Because Jameis Winston, big arm and Dirk Cutter's downfield passing attack offense and you know a lot of Coriel scheme. And, and Mariota's Tennessee's been pretty versatile, and he's a perfect fit for that. Use his legs when you can. We saw that last week on the long touchdown run that he had. Use his legs, get him out of the pocket. You know, much more of a less of a pocket passer than Winston is and uh, more of a guy that can be on the move and make things happen. And so, yeah, I, I'm a – I'm a big fan of both of them, but I think you're 100% right. I love both these guys going in. Uh, neither were my number one player, but uh, both of them were my top quarterbacks. I had them both as top 10 or 12 guys on my board, and I thought both would be very good starters in the NFL. And uh, so far, both have proven to be. And I think that you're right. They landed in great spots. Only other thing, man, is that Mariota gets hurt. Winston doesn't. That ever. is true. Yeah. So, I, I don't know if Mariota's is serious right now, but he did. Yeah, he got hurt at the end of last just, year. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, Mariota's always dinged up. It's just the mm-hmm. way that he is. You yeah. Know, it's just. You just and, skinny and, knees. Oh man! Uh, and, <laughs> I did, did I just come at draft Twitter's favorite son? Yeah, you did. Teddy you really Bridgewater. did. I'm oh, sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Right uh, my number one overall player in this class was Leonard Williams. Um, and okay, I think, I think he's I think a monster. Yeah, and I still think he's a monster. Um, uh, he's been great. His rookie year was it started a little slow, I guess, but he was really young when he came out too. Um, but man, he's just a straight tank. Um. I don't think he's been as productive this year sack-wise uh, as he's been in other years. But um, he's a guy that last year when I watched him, and remember, he's like the only real threat that they had the way Wilkerson and Richardson played last year. But when I watched him last year, just um, mauling guys, you know, so physical, moved so well um, for his size. And uh, just so many things that – and you can argue about the value of the position, but when I did this and I still do this, I, I don't really take into account – value of position other than a kicker punter long snap or something like that um when i'm doing this you know so you could say oh three four dn or, or four three uh, you know three technical, whatever you thought leonard williams was and i think he can play multiple positions um you know you could argue maybe he wasn't worth it enough to be the number one overall pick and maybe that's true but in terms of value in terms of which player was the best at their position um to me leonard williams was that guy in that class and I was honestly, I was shocked he fell to six, and I was really shocked. I think Washington passed up on him at five, but it's turned out well because Brandon Scherf's been a beast as well. Um, I had a weird top three in this draft. What I, was your top three? What I had Leonard Williams, then okay. Lyle Collins was number two, which he probably goes first round if he isn't, um, you know, doesn't have that all that off the field mess. Okay, um, and then. Devonte Parker, I believe, was number three. I can't find my my overall top one hundred, but I'm pretty sure Devonte Parker was number three um, in mine, this class for me. I'm, I'm pretty sure mine was 
Mariota, Landon Collins, Leonard Williams. Wow, Landon Collins, that worked out really well for I, <laughs> I was on Landon Collins' hype train like his sophomore year. I was yeah. like, this dude's the best safety in the nation, and it's not even close. And he's, he's going to be a monster in the NFL. He was my only first round safety. I didn't have him that high, but he was my only first round safety in that class. Um, I was a, I, I, I was a big Landon Collins fan. I remember he struggled early on in the NFL, and I was kind of eating it for it. But now he's a stud, and he has incredible hair. Which, John, I can't tell you when That's my draft so important. make yeah. me proud like that. It just <laughs> warms my heart. Uh, I can't remember who my fourth overall play. I think my fourth overall player was Vic Beasley. I know he was my top edge. I'm I'm fairly certain he was my fourth. I think overall mine was Gurley. I think mine was Gurley, and then Gurley was, was in my top ten. Then it was Winston. I took Winston's off the field situation into account like big time. So he might not have even been that high for me. I can't remember. He I think he, he was top ten for me, but I might have had like Fowler mixed in there and Kevin White, but. I'm not sure why. I can't remember why. Like I ranked them this way. I know I I don't do positional value. Keep that in mind. So I had Winston and Mariota, like somewhere between like eight and twelve. Both of them were in there. Okay. Um. But yeah. That was, so that was kind of my. But I didn't do positional value, and I still don't. So that's probably you know I, I was completely on board with them going one and two overall. So do you position. when you do your rankings? And it's always interesting learning how each person does their own mm-hmm. thing. Well. I said it's interesting. It is interesting. It's interesting to learn, but it's also frustrating as crap when you like have all of these people that we know and that we read who are good NFL draft writers, but then they'll put out their big boards and they'll look different, which isn't which isn't a bad thing. The different part's not the bad thing, but it'll look different for a different reason than someone else. And so at that point you don't you don't really get like a consensus kind right. of here's the thought process on a guy, blah blah blah. So when you do your rankings, do you do you grade, like, let's say a wide receiver um, up against, like, what you would think a perfect 10 across the board wide receiver is? And then how well they score out of that? Is that where you put them in, like, a big board? Pretty much for, for this year, I'm actually using a numerical scale. So it's going to make my it's gonna make my thoughts more exact. So what I actually think in my head, I think, is going to play out more in my rankings rather than, you know, in the past, it's just kind of been like Amari Cooper. Like, do I think this guy's going to be a really good wide receiver in the NFL? Yes. So he's a first round grade. It was kind of like that simple for me before. You okay. know what I mean? There wasn't like an exact science to it. And so now, I and you know, I, that's been fleshed out a little bit to like, you know, high end elite starters, your top 15 guys, you know, your first round guys are really good starters. You know, and even that, what's really good? It's a relative term. You know, we may disagree on who fits that criteria. And so now I'm trying to exact that down a little more and use a numerical scale. But yeah, in the past, it was just kind of like, you know, I thought this guy was a beast. He's going in the first round, you know, and I, you know, and I'd end up with 28 first rounders. And that's probably not how, that's probably not as exact as what I would have, like Trey Waynes, for example. I, you know, I talked about this on one of our other pods. I think I had him as a late first round, early second round grade, but on tape, like my evaluation of him would have suggested if I went off of like, you know, grading mm-hmm. and valuing and weighting traits like I do now, like I'm going to this year, Trey Wayne's probably would ended up like in the third round, you know, because uh, I thought he had great traits and he's worth the risk, you know, trying to develop him. Same with Justin Gilbert. I was like, you know, trying to, and I didn't know Justin Gilbert actually hated football. That would have probably helped me in my eval, but um, so trying to take all that into account too you know, kind of changes things a little bit. So right, I think I would right. have been a little bit better with my grade on those guys because my I think my grade would have reflected, reflected my tape evaluation a little bit better had I used a better scoring system, uh, which right. I'm going to do this year. So, um, okay, 
what about this wide receiver group? There was tons of talk. Devontae Parker, Kevin White, Amari Cooper. Tons of talk pre-draft. Who's the top guy? Some people love Kevin White. I was a Devontae Parker guy, although I think I, I know I had all three of them in the top 10. Um, I loved all three of them. Um, I was a Devontae Parker guy. Other people loved just the sure thing than Amari Cooper. And now it feels like, you know, Amari Cooper obviously was the guy right away. You know, and everybody thought he was the best guy. And he came out and he was the, he was the fastest guy to be the best. And that made sense because if you watch pre-draft, that's exactly how it should have gone. My hope was, and I knew Cooper was going to start faster than Parker, I hope Parker could catch up with Cooper in his overall game. And I had Kevin White actually second. He was like one spot ahead of Cooper. Um, and I had him second in my rankings. And now we look at the group and it's Kevin White's played four games. So whether he is or isn't better than them, we'll just never know. So it, that's a weird one because you can't really evaluate him. But at the same time, you know, we know Devontae Parker and we've seen what his career arc's done. He's obviously playing his best football right now. But he still really struggles against press physical corners. And that hasn't changed over the years. And so I think he's gotten a little bit better, but those kind of corners still give him difficulty. So while he can make the, he reminds me a little bit of Brandon Lloyd. I think he's better than Brandon Lloyd. Do you remember Brandon Lloyd? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like the acrobatic, great leaping catches, like always on highlight reels, but like the snap to snap consistency with Parker, I'm still looking for. And it's better than it was. I think it's better than Lloyd, but is it, was it worth my number three overall player on my board? I don't think so. Although I still think he can be better than Cooper because I I do th- I think Cooper's a little bit overrated. I know. Go ahead, go ahead. Lay into me. I think he's a little bit overrated. He, not even just the drops, but he, he's not always great in the air. And I don't know. I mean, he's a he's a decent number one. Is he a, is he a true elite number one? Is he a top ten receiver in the NFL? Ah, I don't know. Well, I I'll say that I think we're in an era of um, how do I say this. Um, golden age of wideouts. No. I, okay. So like over the last couple of years, we've had things like Matt Harmon's reception perception come out. And that's something that's new that we, you know, that wasn't really being done before or mass produced like that for wide receivers that are, that are running a, um, a variety of different routes. Um, they're able to get open on a variety of different things. And that's kind of new information that we had never seen before. And it had a lot of success on certain players. You know, Allen Robinson is a good example of him in the NFL where reception perception really told the story that he was going to have the breakout year that he had. So, you know, we kind of look into something like that. And then reception perception also uh, kind of really introduced us to, and maybe not introduced us, but opened our eyes to everything that Sterling Shepard could do at Oklahoma. And these are guys who have very quick feet, um, very quick movements, and can separate here and there. And that's something that I think over the last, let's say, three years has really come on in terms of the analytics Mm -hmm. of that and how to judge that. Whereas before, we could know what a guy was running a certain route, this and that, and we could see that he would separate. But we didn't have something tangible, like like an article to read about it or a success rate or Or something. Or like a study of every route that he ran. Right. Or, you know, things like that. And so now that we have that over the last couple of years, I think that we have become a little bit obsessed with it. Not that it's not good information. It totally is. But I think that that's why you saw um, that's why you'll see people people say that, like, oh, yeah, Amari Cooper has the potential to be one of the best receivers in the NFL because he separates so well because he has such quick feet and he's such a precise route runner and these things like that. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. Those things are great. Um, But there is obviously a lot more that goes into being a number one than just the certain routes that they run. And so I I feel like 
like Amari Cooper is is part of this this route running quick feet obsession that we have at the moment where not where that trait isn't important it definitely is and you are you and I are going to like our guys throughout this draft mm-hmm. process coming up because of their quick feet you know I'm a sucker for it I mm-hmm. love that kind yeah. of stuff you know Trent Taylor is a guy like that and and that's that's an example where you know Trent Taylor is so good at that reception perception kind of thing that he makes money off of it that's like his career he's a slot guy and that's great but like when you talk about getting into that upper echelon of wide receivers like where Amari Cooper some people place Amari Cooper then you get into okay yes he has this elite trait here but it's it, it is a little bit something else it's a lot more of what you do within open space in that study so um, that was kind of a long answer um, on like why I think and I don't mean I don't I think you know, you're I don't right think, though yeah, I don't mean to bury this too much because it's an awesome trait and studying it and having it is great, but you do still need other things that Cooper right. still struggles with that make him that number one receiver. Right. So there Yeah, you. it it has to be because if I remember correctly, Matt was you know, and I'm we love Matt and he's been on the show, he's great. But I think he had Doriel Green Beckham as the number one wide receiver in that class, I'm almost certain. Um and he had he They're had, very he, high, yeah. Yeah, he he had he liked Cooper as well. Um and uh yeah, there were a couple other guys that graded out really well for that. Rashard Higgins is another guy. I think he was next year's draft, but he was another guy graded out super well. Just he got cut, and then the Browns brought him back. He actually had a decent game the other day. Um, but you know, he's a guy that hasn't had a lot of NFL success, and he was one of his highest graded guys based on reception perception. So that's a part of it for sure. Like what Matt does is awesome, and that's obviously a part of it. But like you said, it depends on the, your style of receiver um, is really important because if like that's all you like Trent Taylor, that's all he does, and that's all you're gonna have to do. You know, then you're never gonna be a number one guy, but you know, it's, it may be your number three or number four guy for an offense. And like, that's good that you graded out well for reception perception, but you know what I mean? But for somebody like Devontae Parker, that's never going to be your game. Devontae Parker's never going to do what Trent Taylor does. It's never, he's never going to be like an inside slot receiver. And you know, Devontae Parker is either your a number one, like a big time X uh, for your offense, or he doesn't really have a role. It's kind of like Laquan Dreadwell, like, you know, who also did well for reception perception, but it hasn't really carried over to the NFL. So there's a lot to the, these evaluations too. Um, Going back to the draft, I actually had Kevin White ahead of yeah. um, I'm just, Amari Cooper. I'm just bummed. We, we will probably never know. He's played four. Dude, he Kevin, break his leg, Kevin, break his collar. I mean, Kevin White's combine was four three five forty twenty three 23 reps, 36 inch vert. Um, I don't know what this broad it translates to, but it's 123 inches. Um, I'm not that good at math divisible by 12s right off the top of my head uh, uh it's like 11 10 10 <laughs> 10 and t- 10 feet three inches there we go so obviously like <laughs> he went crazy and i remember watching that combine and thinking to myself yep kevin white's my wide receiver one and definitely disappointing but like even when he's gotten to play he hasn't been very impressive right and i mean i know he's only it's played four games because <laughs> he, he only has a handful of games but i mean like even in those four games i i wasn't yeah, I mean, it's pretty tough because you missed your full rookie season. You come, you play four games, you get hurt again. Uh, he made some acrobatic catches again, but it was always going to take time. He's kind of like, you know, Josh Dotson. He, what the the route tree was always going to have to take time for Kevin White. He was never going to explode right away week one. Like, you know, you knew that. If you if you evaluated Kevin White well, you, you knew that going in. Um, well, I didn't, so yeah. no. <laughs> Um What did you think of Dante Fowler Jr.? Um Okay, I have a lot to say about Dante Fowler. Hang on one second. Ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. you got Patriots or Steelers, Chicago or Detroit. Trevor and I will give you all the goods tomorrow about the lines. Well, let me tell you this, though. Where you're betting at is just as important as who you're betting on. 
We always tell people to go to mybookie.ag because mybookie has been in this business for years. Their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses. So off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payout, seriously, just two business days. Lay down some cash, win big today. We would only recommend a service to our listeners. It's been good to us, those that we know, other listeners on the pod, always hearing from you guys about how great mybookie is. That's why we're urging you to make your way to mybookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that is sick and makes wagering on the go so easy. Um, to join now, and my bookie will match your deposit up to a 100% bonus. Use the promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Locked On is the promo code to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Dante Fowler Jr., and I just wrote an article about him. It's coming out today on FanRag Sports. Um, he was a guy that Florida moved around, moved him around a lot, relied on him to be kind of their creator on defense. He was very good in that role, but technique-wise, there were things that needed development, I thought. Um, I thought he was a pretty good athlete. He is a good athlete, I think, but pass rush athleticism is just kind of like adequate with him. Like, and that's what I've learned really like separate those two because he, yeah, he could, he could run well and you know, he could move laterally. Okay. But the bend that you need to kind of get around the corner, that first, that get off that explosive first step, he has those things, but he just doesn't have them at an elite level. So I think he was my number two edge in this class. Vic Beasley was definitely my number one. He was my number two edge in this class. Um, and I, I did, I liked Dante Fowler a lot. I believe he was, I think he was the, he was the last guy in my top 10 that we haven't said yet. Um, but I believe he, he was in there as well. And yeah, so I liked him a lot, probably a little too much. Um, but having said that, Dante Fowler's playing very well this season and he may never be worth the third overall pick, which he was in this draft. Um, but he's still playing a valuable role. He's got three sacks, all three. He's beaten a player one V one, uh, for a sack. So high quality stuff. Um, he's working moves. He's developed his hands. He's playing physical. Jacksonville's letting him play aggressive and fast. He's only playing like 40 some percent of their snaps, but they're key snaps. They're the snaps that matter. The long down and distances, the third downs, he's getting pressures. Um, he's making, creating negative plays for the opposition. So I'm liking a lot of what I'm seeing from Fowler this year. And I thought at the end of last year, he started to catch on too. It's a rough start to your career when you tear your ACL in your first mini camp yeah, and you've got sucks. to recover and everything. So I think he had a long way to go. Um, but I, yeah, so I was I wasn't number one. I thought Vic Beasley was the best, and I still think he is. But uh, Fowler was still a guy I was probably a little too high on. I definitely had Fowler as as my number one pass rusher, and this is a thing where watching um, watching guys that I watch all the time, but that I'm invested in, you know, with him being a Florida guy, Fowler was one of the people where I kind of like was able to sit back a, a year or two later and go, "Wow, you know, I should uh, I should really put my Florida bias aside on some of these other guys." Um, and with Fowler, it was just that his production just came in chunks way too often. And so at the end of the year, we would look at his stats and we would go, oh, you know, he had this many tackles for loss. You know, that's pretty consistent. And in reality, like, he had three or four of those sacks yeah. his last year in right. one game, and it was the bowl game. And it's like, I, like there, was, there, wasn't, there wasn't enough consistency from his game outside of maybe one, two, three, like a handful of opponents that he truly just dominated. Mm -hmm. And then these other players or these other teams that he would face and he would, um, he would struggle. And I should have noticed that being some sort of a red flag um, 
when I was looking at his tape, but I just like I didn't want to see it. I just wanted to see the flashes of Fowler because I was also kind of caught up in that. Um, and there is some truth to this. I don't mean to totally um, the whole like the whole like highlight reel thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some truth too. If you see something from a player, that means that they can do it, and that's important. Because if you if if you if you just see a prospect who is super consistent but doesn't flash the way maybe another guy does, you have to take that into account. So sometimes a lot of people talk about you know like highlight reel scouting and all this and blah blah blah. And I'm not saying you should only watch highlight reels. You should definitely watch full tape on guys because it does give you full context. But the highs, the peaks of what players can do matter. They definitely matter. Mm-hmm. And so for Fowler, I just got caught up way too much in that, oh, man, here is what he can do when he is when he is dominating an opponent. And I didn't think enough about the, hey, what about the other times, the lows, the times where he can't do this? What is he doing? Is he doing anything to fix it mid-game? Does he have other things that he can do? And the answer was no at Florida, really. And part of that stemmed from the athleticism that you talked about, or that functional athleticism. And I think he's getting gotten a lot better with the Jaguars, just with um, different kinds of moves and knowing what to do and all this kinds of stuff. So you get to see those peaks, those highlight real things more and more. But the important thing is that you saw them at some point, because um, some mm-hmm. of these guys you just never see it at all. Right. Yeah. This edge class was tricky. There was a lot to evaluate with these guys because. Not only did you have that, I don't but remember fa- what I thought of Vic Beasley, I really don't. I don't yeah, remember. Beasley was to me the cleanest prospect off the field, and then you didn't have the concerns there. And then he was also my best guy on tape, so it was easy one for me. But um, I knew he would never be a great run defender, probably, or I didn't think he would be. He's actually been a pretty good run defender in the NFL. Um, but I just wanted sacks, and I thought he was elite athlete. Didn't care about his size because I thought he was compact in his build. No, it wasn't like he was a tall, lanky guy. You know, this was a guy that could still generate velocity or generate force coming upfield. And um, yeah, he still a guy that I'm I'm a huge fan of, and I think I think he's still just starting to scratch the surface of what he can do in the NFL. And um, but he's an elite, elite athlete, a crazy athlete. Um, so I was high on him. But then there was Randy Gregory and a good athlete, significant off the field issues. Shane Ray failed the drug test at the combine. Bud Dupree, great athlete, had no freaking clue how to play football. Uh, I, I did like, not like Shane Ray. I was much higher on Bud Dupree than I think I was Randy Gregory or Shane Ray. So here were my, I was Vic Beasley, Dante Fowler, and then I had Awa Odigazua in the first round as well. I was you. I, I was a big Odigazua fan. I loved him. Um, unfortunately, apparently he didn't really like football and he couldn't stay healthy. So um, he is not in the league, I believe. Um, Shane Ray. Uh, uh, it was had a first round grade for me. Um, this was before the the uh, failed combine test, and Randy Gregory, his I on the field I thought he was worth a first rounder. Off the field, I probably wouldn't have touched him. I think I said so. Eli Harold was a guy that I loved a lot. And <laughs> looking at his athleticism, I'm I know why I liked him. Yeah, his tape was good. I don't get it. Um, I don't get why he hasn't been good. I, when I've watched him in San Francisco, he seems disinterested and not physical in any way. So maybe that's part of it. I've read nothing about him. I I should study him more, but he honestly hasn't played enough to really get a feel for it. So I'm not sure what go, went on there. I think he ended up being like an early third-round pick or something. And then um, love Trey Flowers, too. I love this edge class. I was hiding a bunch of guys. Love Trey Flowers. Then I had Bud Dupree. So wow. I was I was pretty low on Bud. Bud was like my eighth-ranked edge uh, in this class. Um, 
he's still, you know, he hasn't really, he's proven me right so far, you know, to not be that high on him. But um, I think he has the potential to give get better and have a breakout year this year um, and show some things. Um, um, will he? Will he be worth where Pittsburgh drafted him? I think he has the potential to do that. He was just he was one of the most raw football players I've ever seen. Like at Kentucky, he didn't even he couldn't even read run run pass consistently. Like it was starting from square one with him. So um so yeah, and, and I think it's proven because he hasn't really done much in his first couple years. Um Marcus Golden was all the way down there in the third round for me. Danelle Hunter in the fourth, but um how'd you evaluate the running back group? Uh Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon. Um, let me look. I'm looking at all the running backs trying to Gurley was my number one. I had him in me the too. top ten. I had Gordon in the first round though. I really liked him. Um no, I really like Gordon too. Uh those are my only two first round backs, I believe. Looking here. I didn't love Amir Abdullah. I just thought he was too small. Fumbles I, too much. I, I never I never loved TJ Yeldon. I didn't get it. I didn't either. I've Didn't never, I never got TJ Yeldon. I was like, he's people. I remember when when Yeldon was like a freshman and a sophomore. I remember there were writers who were saying like, this is the next great first round back. And I'm like, dude, he's just another back from Alabama. What does he show you that's different from anybody? Like, if you are a back from Alabama, yes, you're good and you're gonna get tons of yards, blah blah blah. But you gotta be show me something. Like, you gotta show me something special, right. you know? And at no at no point did TJ Yeldon do that. TJ Yeldon was a really fine back for the Tide because they had the great lines that they did and TJ Eldon had a good balance and like he just, he, he was a, he was a fine running back, but I never got the, he's a first round of top 50. Type. Never okay. Got here's a question for you before we wrap up the show for today. Yes. Which picks when you look through the first round, make you yell suck at NFL because you were right <laughs> and they were wrong. And that's just all there is to it. Um, while you think true. about that for me, Eric Flowers, I had him late second. I thought he could develop into its starting caliber. Thought he was probably best as a guard. If he gave him a lot of help in pass pro, top 10 overall pick made me want to throw things all over the place. I was like, what the? And he's proven me right on that one, so suck at NFL. Um, also, Eric Armstead for the 49ers. I know he's been banged up a little bit too. Um, he did some decent things as a rookie. Maybe I won't take the take the W there just yet, but I don't think he's been near worth the first-round pick. Um Oh, Cedric Cedric Ogbuehi? No. No, 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 no. Heck no. I can't believe he went in the first round. A a non-physical. I had him a late third-round grade based on athletic potential. Um, Thought he could develop. Um, Cannot believe he went in the first round. He was hurt, too. So it made no sense at all. Uh, Not only was he hurt, but his tape was terrible. Um, that was one of the worst picks in this drafter that I've seen in draft. I was completely not on board with that. Um, Brashad Perryman in the first round, no way, no way, no how. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really get Nelson Aguilar. Oh, see, I had Nelson Aguilar was my twentieth overall player, and he went twentieth overall. Um, I was wow. a really big fan okay. of him. He's having a good year. I was, I was, I was much, much lower on Nelson Aguilar. He must have been. Let me look at wide receivers here. Okay, Cooper, Kevin White, Devontae Parker. Um, there's Aguilar, Perryman, Dorsett. Yeah, I, he must have been Green Beckham, Funches. Uh, he was my wide receiver four. Uh, Aguilar, Aguilar must have been like wide receiver eight or nine for me. I haven't given up hope. 
He's having a, he's, he's having a uh, good year. But, I mean, if, if we're talking, like, on the other side of it, I know this isn't a first-round guy, but Landon Collins went in the first pick oh, of the yeah. second round. Right. So, like, everybody can suck it. Right. Like, everybody <laughs> can suck it, dude. I was on the Landon Collins train, like, his freshman season. Whenever he first started out there, everybody. Like, this, this is my man, so everybody can suck it. Hey, I got to suck it. Eric Kendricks went 45th to the to the Vikings. I had him and I had he was my eighth overall player in this class. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He's been really, really, really good for Minnesota. NFL, you can absolutely suck it for that one. <laughs> I'm trying to think who else. Uh, I'm I get, I'm not in sucking territory with Mitch Morris, but I really like Mitch Morris from Kansas City. And everybody else can suck it, not the NFL, because they took him 49th overall, which is around right. Everybody else was like, "That's a stupid pick." Well, you all can suck it. Um, I'm, I'm now scrolling down, seeing if there's anybody late. Um, what about your boy Ali Marpet? I didn't. I I didn't know a ton about him. I didn't know like anything about him. So, I mean, I guess the rest of the NFL, other than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, can suck it because <laughs> uh, they ended up taking him, and he's been he's been great. He's but a stud. Uh, um, how did Stephon Diggs go in the fifth round, dude? I don't know. I actually had an early fourth round grade on Diggs, and I really liked him. So Diggs was like one of my guys. I did those my guys teams back then. Diggs was one of my guys, but I had a fourth round grade on him. So now it looks like I, I was obviously too low on him, but I was higher than what I thought most people. I mean, nobody really talked about Diggs. So it was like one of those weird, well, you were still he too low on him. He must have did something. I, yeah, he's even better than I thought. Oh, you know, I'm taking I, – I, no, I have to suck it for this one. David Johnson. I did. I just thought he was a guy. Like I thought he'd be a valuable weapon. I didn't think he'd be yeah. close to what he is. I had I had Mike Davis, T.J. Yeldon, Jeremy Langford, David Cobb, Josh Robinson, Javorius Allen, all David, ahead of David uh, Johnson. <laughs> um, hey, uh, well, you know, line, you know, offensive linemen better than I do. So this is weird for me to say because I'm a Florida guy. But Trenton Brown has been Trenton decent. Brown. Okay, so here's this offensive line class, right? Trenton Brown's been like the third best guy in this class, maybe second best guy in this. I mean, yeah. you have Leal Collins, who I think has been the best in this class still. For sure. DJ Humphreys was on the right side. He was a left tackle Florida. We knew he would take some time, right. but I loved his tools and I loved his physicality. I thought if he landed in the right spot with good coaching, he'd be better. He went to the left side last year. He was definitely better on the left side for the last couple games last year. Then he got hurt at the beginning of this year. So, And he redshirted his first year. So this is hard to – he's a little – I think his evaluation still – up in the air and Trent Brown at Florida played so soft that I was I like, believe, I can't believe I was that. like, I, I was like, everyone is talking about Trent Brown because he's so big, but he's just this giant soft yeah. dude and he's and not going to be anything. In to the be NFL. fair, he's still not that good, but he's better than a lot of right tackles in the NFL. So I mean, like he's starting, he's yeah. starting right tackle. And I saw right. a couple of, you know, I'll see highlight plays where he's just, he just will straight up hoss at somebody. Yeah. He's like, he's improved I, a ton. I never saw that at Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jake Fisher has been horrible for Cincinnati. TJ Clemming's one of the worst offensive linemen in the NFL. Andres Pete had to move to guard. He's actually been solid at guard. He's been pretty solid there, but he was he's not a tackle. They had to move him back to tackle because of injuries, and he struggled there again. Um, uh, Eric Flowers, uh, obviously terrible. Donovan Smith, terrible. Sorry. Said, has he been any better this year? I, kind of, but. A little bit. Okay, still like, not. Kind, kind still of. Still not worth yeah. a, was yeah. it, a 35th pick or something like that. Um, well, I mean, if they didn't have him, they'd be starting like a nobody. Yeah, so. that's true. Uh, Cedric Boy, terrible. Uh, Darrell Williams, uh, Rob Havenstein's a starter. Oh, this is Quan Alexander's class. 
Yeah, this is uh, a good yeah. class. I actually, Kwan Alexander's a win for me. I really, really liked him coming out. Um, but then there's like all these guys, these tackles that aren't even in the league. And then I have Trenton Brown down here with a seventh round pick um, as a seventh round grade. Just thought, you know, big body maybe develops into something, a depth guy. Um, but the, yeah, he's been, so he's outplayed my ranking for him. Uh, even if I, I still think he's, I know he still has a long way to go, but um, yeah, still pretty good stuff. Um, I'm trying to think other than that, I, you know, the offensive line class was, you know, pretty clearly Brandon Scherf at the top. And then I had, I liked Lakin Tomlinson. Lakin Tomlinson was a tough one for me because I didn't think his tape was that great, but I thought, you know, this guy's so smart. He's so hardworking. He has the size. He's a decent enough athlete. I think he can put it all together. And then it just hasn't happened. So I'm kind of bummed about that. Like he was like, I just thought he'd be smart enough and have the work ethic to like become good. And I should have taken his tape more into consideration. Um, so, yeah, he always learned something. Ty Sambrello didn't like his tape, gave him a late third-round grade because everybody was talking about him as a top-50 guy, and I should have just been like, no, he's just don't draft him because I didn't even like him that much. But I was like, maybe he can develop. Um, you know those guys everybody talks about as like a you know top-50 guy, and then you're just like, eh, I don't see it at all. Like I'll throw him in the 80s or the 90s on my board. If he's not good, he's not good. Just throw him down there. Um, so you live and you learn good throwback Thursday. Uh, a lot to talk about, obviously from the 2015 class, we don't even get to all of it today, but, um, this episode, this Thursday episode of locked on NFL draft was brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Get into all the action with MyBookie.ag, where they will match your deposit up to a 100% bonus. Use the promo code locked on to activate that offer. We'll be back tomorrow, Fan Friday. We've got the lines for you. We're going to take your questions, going to get to all things football-related for the weekend, get you ready for a great weekend of football right here. Keep it locked on Locked On NFL Draft. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17.